This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. As we mentioned the other day, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and for Thanksgiving, we're either having, you can call it Throwback Thursday, um, with a reading of Squanto, or it is Theology Thursday with the reading of Squanto, because really the at the heart of that story is God's sovereign care over the, the circumstances of his life and over the, the original people from the pilgrims, the, their care that they receive because of the help from Squanto. So you can classify that one however you want. It's either going to be a throwback Thursday or a theology Thursday. And then, but today is Wisdom Wednesday, and we have been working at least in some ways through a book of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, but at the same time, a book written by David Gibson called Living Life Backward. Um, and today we are going to look at Ecclesiastes 4. And so I think Ryan is willing to read that for us. Go ahead, Ryan. Sure. This is uh, Ephes- or Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 4, uh, the English Standard Version. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Again I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, Yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been, he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth 
who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind. So there is a, a thought out there that we spend most of our time thinking about ourselves. I actually tend to agree with that, that Luther would say that we're by nature curved in on ourselves, that our focus tends to be on us. David Gibson writing about this particular chapter says that we, not I, that's the chapter in a nutshell, we, not me. Why might he say that? What What is there about, and he will actually go on to make the argument that if we live for others, we'll just actually just be happier. So how does that, is that a true statement? Is is David Gibson right in his assessment? He's been, he, you know, that whole chapter, there is the uh, bright part of it, verses 8 through 12, where this solitary notion of just being one and alone is contrasted with two are better than one. And, uh, you know, so there's, so Solomon, in writing this, he's telling us uh, that there are some benefits of of genuine community. We we, we get a larger profit out of it. We find help in the time of need. Uh, you know, we have more comfort um, and uh, we have greater protection. Those are the things that he's bringing out uh, here. And so, the the focus, you know, yeah, he's he's seeing the world as it is, you know, how people live independent lives and live for themselves, are curved in on themselves. But he's saying that's that's not where the benefit is. Yeah, if we're in Christ, we are uh, certainly no longer alone. We're not uh, the sheep off on the on its own uh, on the side of a cliff. We are with uh, our brothers and sisters. In uh, Philippians 2, I always think of this, uh, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also mm-hmm. for the interest of others, mm-hmm. that uh, you're you're in it together and uh, you're in Christ together, not just it, you're actually in Christ together. And so this is a, it's beautiful when two lie down together, they'll keep warm. How can one be warm alone? Uh, we aren't alone. We're in Jesus Christ now. And so there's so many good scriptures in the New Testament that affirm what Solomon says here. So sometimes we approach life, especially in the culture that we live in, in, in the in our modern U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, environment, more as competition than cooperation. And then sometimes you can have the the corrective that's not always helpful. The co- all you know only cooperation where you're never you know in quote unquote competition. So how, how do how do we work? What is a healthy approach to life to live in the sense of community that's healthy and balanced? Well, I think uh, Ephesians chapter four, I think gives, I think some balance in that is in in speaking of the body of Christ and this community of faith that we have. I mean, there's, um, he he calls us, focus on the centrality of our unity with one another. We're one body is what he ends with. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. Uh, but he also, in the verse before that, he's calling us to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. And that is our calling in Christ. And we're to be with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And I think that in that there is a, 
a community and a cohesiveness there, but also an idea of we're not always going to agree. Um, the idea of bearing with one another, it's really kind of the idea of like putting up with one another, looking past the faults and the frailties. And then verse three is eager to maintain the unity. I mean, the, the eager to maintain there is one of a, a zealous pursuit of, you know, when you're zealous for something, you're, you're, you, you're really uh, on fire for that thing. And what are we to be on fire for is this maintaining our unity and this peace. And in Ecclesiastes and Solomon talks about it, it's that <coughs> unity there. There's a, a comfort in facing opposition from outside. You know, there's, there's a strength there and a comfort when you have brothers and sisters that you're with and bonded to and facing ultimately the threats from the evil one. So another aspect that is talked about in chapter four is this idea that life can be hard. He, he begins the chapter by saying, again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold the tears of the oppressed and they had no one to comfort them. And sometimes we as Christians aren't great at providing true comfort to other people. Um, Gibson talks about that oftentimes we're trite, we're simplistic um, when relating the, the good news of, the, of Christ to a world of pain. Maybe just speak into that that idea of, of the what, what does that mean to be trite and simplistic, to lack comfort to a world that has pain? What? I think that uh, you know there is a great comfort in drawing together with others. I mean, there there is even isolation in social media. You know, people are just isolated selves. We need that face to face time with one another, which is one of the things that the the church family, um, you know, the institutions God's created, have given to us. There's a comfort in it, but there's also a strength. Solitude is is the real weakness. Charles Spurgeon said. Communion is strength, solitude is weakness. Alone, the free old beech tree yields to the blast and lies prone on the meadow. In the forest, supporting each other, the trees laugh at the hurricane. The sheep of Jesus flock together. The social element is the genius of Christianity. So, um, you know, God, God doesn't just call one. He calls us as a bunch. And I think, you know, a lot of times this idea that we can be trite and simplistic in that you know, there, there's this, maybe it's, maybe it's a correct stereotype of Christians putting on this fake uh, smile and almost just, you know, looking past and not even considering the pain of the world and said, you know, everything's great in Jesus, you know, but which, you know, everything is great in Jesus, but we can have joy and sorrow and uh, we can have thankfulness and grief uh, mixed together. And I think as Christians, we need to, as the Psalms instruct us, that readily acknowledge and accept the pain of life, but then also put in its place in finding comfort in a sovereign God. And I think we can, we as Christians should be those who are great comforters because we should have this understanding of the pain of life and yet what God does for us in the midst of pain. I, I think it was Jonathan maybe last week shows that talked about Job's friends that came mm-hmm. and that they actually did their best work when they kept quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they began to open their mouths and actually entered into some of the trite simplicity of thought that wasn't helpful. Yeah, and they, they basically were giving certain bumper sticker theology. You know, they, they weren't really entering into 
uh, Job's su- suffering. And I think that this is an important part of the Christian life. I mean, if you read through the New Testament, there are passages after passages after that speak of one another. Um, we're to one another, each other. We're, we're gathered, and, and we need that face-to-face consistency. Yeah, the, the difference is being earnest in your compassion for somebody else. You know, and somebody tells you about their problems at church or whatever, <laughs> and you just sort of like nod at them and say, maybe I'll pray for that. And uh, But you really don't follow up with them, you know, maybe the next day, you know, how was that? Are you okay? Like, and maybe even the next day, like that you, you really share Jesus's love for his people, that you have that heart of compassion. And, and, um, one of my favorite books, the earnest ministry by James, he, he talks about how we should have that heart of Christ for other people. And, uh, you know, it's a peril that even pastors can do this. You can be like, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to you a sermon. Just listen to my sermons and don't bother me with your personal problems. Sometimes is the, the, the feeling that people get from pastors. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would I would encourage people to get into that one another time by showing up uh, 15 minutes early for church because you'll talk to people, Amen. and then and also stay after church. Don't be yeah, the don't last one the, the last one to get there and the first one to leave. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just- to wrap up our time um, today, I just want to just reemphasize verses 9 through 12 and just say that oftentimes these have been used in weddings, and that's completely fine. I'm not I'm knocking that. But don't allow the wedding to hijack the theology that's supposed to be for all of us, mm-hmm. um, that this is how we're supposed to live in community as God's people together, the one another of the Old Testament. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life, and we'll see you tomorrow.